Hello everybody and welcome to episode 6 of Lady in Black. I'm Danielle. And I'm McKenna. And today we are headed out to the East Coast, specifically to Fall River, Massachusetts. So I'm sure most of you already know what we're talking about because Fall River is pretty much famous for one thing and one thing only. And that is uh, the Lizzie Borden house. Um, so how much do you know about Lizzie Borden? Not a lot. I'm not going to lie. I, I've heard bits and pieces just kind of like floating around type of deal, but I've never done a bunch of research into it or anything okay. like that. So not much. Okay. Perfect. So for like the main focus of this episode, we're going to talk about Lizzie. Um, she was born on July 19th, 1860, which means that she is a cancer. So cancers are actually pretty high up on like the list for murderers. Okay. All right. Um, she was born in Fall River to Sarah Anthony Borden and Andrew Jackson Borden. And Andrew was pretty wealthy um, when he died. However, when he was like a young adult, he struggled a bit financially. So he was extremely, extremely frugal. So they did live on the hill, um, which is what like this neighborhood was called. It was like an upper class area because it was farther away from the industrial parts of town. However, unlike their neighbors, they didn't have indoor plumbing. So like they still lived fairly simply, even though they lived in this like high-class neighborhood. I mean, that's kind of cool, though. You have this money, but you don't show it off, kind of, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, but I think he was kind of an asshole about it. I mean, <laughs> a, a lot of them usually are, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Fair enough. Um, so Lizzie and Emma grew up pretty religious. Um, they attended the Central Congregational Church, and Lizzie even taught Sunday school to recent immigrants' children. Um, she was also involved with the Christian Endeavor Society, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, and the Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. So very religious. Yeah. I mean, everybody at that time was probably a little bit more religious than they are nowadays, but she was still pretty fucking involved. Yeah. She was pretty heavily involved. Yeah. Um, so now let's, uh, let's just get into the nitty gritty. All right. Let's go. <laughs> So on the morning of August 4th, 1892, Andrew, his second wife, Abby, Lizzie, the maid, um, Bridget Sullivan, who goes by the name Maggie, and a man named John Morse, who is actually Sarah Borden, Andrew's first wife's brother, um, they all sat down for breakfast. So Morse and Andrew went to have a little chat in the living room, and then Morse left to um, run some errands and visit um, another one of his nieces. And Andrew either left for his morning walk or he left to go to the bank. I saw things that said both, so I don't know exactly what he did. But he left. And um, so between 9 and 10.30 a.m., Abby went upstairs to make the bed in the guest room when she was attacked. She was facing her attacker when she was struck on the side of the head with a hatchet it landed just above her ear, making her turn and fall onto the floor face down, which caused contusions on her nose and forehead. Her killer then struck her 17 more times in the back of the head, which killed her. 17 more times? So she got 18 wax total. That is so... That feels like a little bit of overkill I mean, it's, me. it's personal. 
at that point. That's it, personal. Yeah, it's very personal. That's somebody who was either deranged or mad. <laughs> very, very mad. Um, so at around 10.30 a.m., Andrew allegedly returns home from his um, morning walk. And this is when shit just gets super messy um, because there's numerous versions um, as to like how the rest of the morning unfolded. So version one is the maid's version. She claimed that Andrew's key wouldn't unlock the unlock the door, so he knocked. Um, so she then went to answer the door and said it was jammed. So, um, mind you, Abby's currently upstairs, dead on the guest room floor. And um, Maggie says that while she's like doing this, she hears like Lizzie laugh from on the, like above, like at the top of the stairs kind of situation. Um, so then Lizzie claims that she was never upstairs and that she was in fact downstairs where she helped her father take off his shoes and put on his slippers before he laid down on the sofa for a nap. However, in crime scene photos, his shoes are still on. He's not wearing slippers. Wait a second. So slippers like enter the mix, but then they're not actually in the mix at all. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so Maggie said that she wasn't feeling great after cleaning the windows. So she went up to her room on the third floor. At around 11.10 a.m., she heard Lizzie calling her saying, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. So Andrew's body was found slumped on the couch. He was struck 11 times with a hatchet. Um, one of his eyes had been split in two. He was still bleeding, so it clearly had been done recently. And he was essentially unrecognizable on one side of his face due to the severity of his wounds. And his estimated time of death is 11 a.m. So again, very personal. Yes. And remember, 11 a.m. Okay. specifically. Okay. So the investigation is a fucking mess. <laughs> Lizzie's initial story was kind of odd. She kept contradicting herself. Um, she claimed that she'd heard a noise, like a groan, a scraping noise, or someone calling out before she entered the home. But two hours later, she said she claimed she heard nothing and didn't think anything was wrong in the house before she entered. That's pretty weird. Yes. Um, so then when she was asked, like, where's Abby... First, she said that she was out visiting a sick friend. Then she said she thought that she might be back, and she asked if somebody could go upstairs to check on her. So Maggie and the neighbor, Mrs. Churchill, went up the stairs, and like about halfway up the stairs, they looked into the guest room and saw her laying face down on the floor. So before we get into the rest of this, just think about the fact that... Um, Maggie would have gone up the stairs and back down the stairs at this point. And not noticed and a body? Some, somehow didn't see a body. But then noticed it when she didn't even get all the way up the stairs. Yes. With somebody else. Yep. Okay, that, that's, that's weird. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie then became like the focal point of the investigation. They claimed that her attitude was too calm and poised for someone who had just found her father brutally murdered just hours before. However, they never bothered to check her clothing um, or her body for blood, and they did a bare minimum search of her room because she claimed to not be feeling well. 
They also didn't check for blood on anybody in the house. Why would you not check for blood? I don't fucking know. These people were murdered in a way that there would be blood everywhere. There's no physical way that their attacker would not have blood all over them. Yeah, not even on their clothes, but just like on their body, like on their face, on their hands. Like, yep. It would have been everywhere. Yep. Um, so the police also checked the basement and they found two hatchets and two axes. And then they also found a hatchet head um, where like the handle had been broken off. So upon inspection, they said that the break appeared fresh, and although it the hatchet head was, like, dusty and had ash on it, um, it looked like it was purposefully applied to make it look like the rest, but they didn't take any of the tools from the house. They didn't take it? No. Not right now. So they, they why, I don't understand why they're not doing their job. They don't take anything. They don't actually search anything. What are they doing? Just leave it? That's tomorrow's problem. We'll deal with that tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this this entire investigation is essentially just, like, botched entirely. Yeah, I mean, they're not doing anything to solve a murder at this point. No. So, because of the fact that both Maggie and Lizzie reported not feeling well, they decided to take the family's milk and then both Andrew and Abby's stomach contents and test them for poison, but none was found. So I'm going to note that I think this is fucking crazy. Um, The autopsies done on both Andrew and Abby, um, like the initial ones, were done in the Borden family dining room. The dining room? Yeah. Are you kidding me? The dining room? There's no... Why? I don't know. Like, I'm... Maybe they didn't have anywhere to take the bodies to do it, but... Maybe they didn't want to transport them super far. I have I'm no just idea. I'm just thinking about the fact that people are still going to continue to eat in said dining room. <laughs> that just does not it, I mean, it sounds horrible. I mean, they probably didn't eat in there for a while. I wouldn't eat there if my my parents' bodies had just been autopsied in the dining room. <laughs> I'm not saying I would either. <laughs> Um, so now we're going to fast forward to the night of August 4th. Um, Lizzie, her sister, Emma, Maggie, John Morse, and a friend named Alice Russell all stayed in the house that night, um, with John sleeping in the attic as his guest room was now a fucking crime scene and police were stationed outside. And one reported that he actually saw Lizzie and Alice enter the cellar with a lamp and a, and a slop slop pail, Dear God. Um, and then he saw them exit. And then Lizzie returned again. And when he went to try and see what she was doing, he said he couldn't really tell, but it looked like she was bent over a sink. So potentially trying to wash something off? Potentially. I mean, she could have just been doing chores. True. But who knows? Who fucking knows? Seriously. Um, so August 6th rolled around and the police finally decided to come back in and research the house properly this time. So they inspected all the clothing. Um, they took the broken um, hatchet head. And um, after they left, they came back later that evening with the mayor to tell Lizzie that she was a suspect. So the next morning, Alice claims that she saw Lizzie ripping up a dress and burning it in um, 
and like burning it in like the kitchen stove. Um, and Lizzie claimed that it was because it was covered in paint, but I don't know, like there's no info on whether or not this was the dress that she was wearing the day of the murders or if it was just like a random fucking dress and her timing was atrocious. Yeah, that it just kind of seems weird with her timing. Yeah. Because if if your family, if, you're, if your stepmom and your dad just got murdered, the last thing I'm thinking about doing is burning a dress that has paint on it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's the well, last thing yeah. on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So on August 8th, Lizzie was brought in for an inquest and she was actually denied the right to have her family lawyer present because at the time Massachusetts had a statute stating that all inquests had to be held privately. Um, And I'm going to note that she was also taking regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves at the time. So just keep that in mind a little bit. Do you know like the effects of morphine? Uh, vaguely I've never I've never personally had any interaction with morphine so not yeah. really but so it can make people like it can make people nervous but most often it kind of makes people like drowsy it can kind of like confuse them it's I mean it's kind of it's like an opiate okay it's gonna fuck with your fuck with your like cognizance so not exactly the best thing to be on when you're being interrogated Interrogated. yeah seriously like today that would not fucking fly absolutely there's no way that they would interrogate somebody on anything let alone fucking morphine yeah absolutely not like have you ever taken like oxy or hydro like any of like those have you ever been prescribed those yeah you know how those like make your brain fuzzy i just slept the whole time so okay well (laughs) never mind i was gonna say it's like that but like amplified because morphine's very strong okay Um, so during the inquest, it is said that her behavior was erratic. Shocker. Shocker. Um, and that she was constantly refusing to answer questions, even if the answer to that question could have helped her. Um, so she also contradicted herself a few times, um, when asked to like recount the morning. She said at one point she was in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father returned home. Another time she claimed to be ironing in the living room. Um, she also said that she was coming down the stairs at one point. Um, and again, she claimed she'd taken off her father's shoes and put slippers on him. But in the crime scene photos, he's not wearing fucking slippers. He's wearing his boots. So like, I don't know if she like couldn't keep her story straight or like she was trying to lie and like come up with a better story or if she was just like fucking out of it. Clueless. I don't, I have no, no clue. So after the inquest, Lizzie was arrested and put in jail and um, allegedly until her arrest, her family and friends had like maintained her innocence. But after numerous articles came out, like questioning her behavior, like how calm she was and then how erratic she was and things like that, um, people started to kind of like change their tune. And I think that some of like the inquest answers kind of like leaked to the public. So people started to like, change their mind a little bit. Um, by November 7th, a grand jury was hearing evidence and Lizzie was indicted on December 2nd. So the official trial began on June 5th of 1893 in New Bedford. And interestingly enough, 
On June 1st, just days before her trial, there was another axe murder in Fall River that killed a woman named uh, Bertha Manchester, and she was butchered in her kitchen. And there were a ton of similarities between Bertha's case and the Borden's case. However, they arrested a Portuguese immigrant named Jose and convicted him in 1894, and he wouldn't have been in Fall River at the time of the Borden murders. But I still think it's suspicious that almost a year later, there's another axe murder that is, like, similar. Yeah, that's very similar. Mm-hmm. When Lizzie's in fucking jail. Yeah, when she couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't have done it. Yes. So a huge talking point of the trial was, like, specifically the hatchet head that they found in the basement. Um, but prosecutors didn't do a great job of convincing jurors that it was even the murder weapon. Because um, they claimed that the murderer would have removed the handle because it would have been blood-soaked. And then one officer testified that the handle was found near the hatchet head. And then another officer claimed that it wasn't. So, like, couldn't really get their story straight. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's going to be confusing to any jury. Yes. Um, Alice Russell later, later testified that although no bloody clothes were found in the house when they searched the clothing that the next morning she did see Lizzie burning a dress in the kitchen stove. So, again, it's kind of like the police are like, well, we searched all the clothing, there was no blood, and somebody else is saying, oh, but then she burned a dress the next day that she claimed had paint on it, so then it's like... But if they would have done their initial job... Well, but they had still searched all of the clothing the day before she burned it. True. Okay. So, yeah. like, she could have, if, if she did do it and she had worn that dress... She could have hit it really well. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So then they got into where exactly Lizzie was at the time of the murders. Um, The maid Maggie testified that she went to the third floor of the home at around 10.58 a.m. and left Lizzie alone with Andrew downstairs. So Lizzie then claimed that she left the home and went into the barn for like roughly 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour. And two people actually confirmed this. Um, Hyman Lubinsky and Charles Garner claimed that they saw her leave the barn at 11.03 a.m. So remember, his time of death was 11 a.m. So she, she was been in the barn. the barn. She was not in the house. Unless two men... Are lying on her behalf. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at 11.10 a.m., Maggie said that she was called downstairs by Lizzie, stating that Andrew was dead, but was told not to enter the room, but rather to get a doctor. So I think it's suspicious because Maggie has gone up and down the stairs now twice and missed Abby's body. But then the third time that she went up the stairs, magically she could see Abby's body. Yeah, that it's just it's yeah. Um, So they removed both Andrew and Abby's heads and used the skulls in the trial. And once they showed them both in the courtroom, Lizzie actually fainted. I would have, too, to be completely honest. Yes, but also if you were the one that hatcheted, like butchered these people with a hatchet, you'd think that their skulls would not make you pass out. Yeah. Um. So on June 20th of 1893, the jury went to deliberate and they only deliberated for about an hour and a half. And then they actually acquitted Lizzie of the murders. Okay. 
so they didn't think that she did it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff saying that she might have, but there's also a lot of stuff saying that she might not have. Yeah, which we'll get into, like, all of the theories. Because there's, like, I've got, like, nine theories. (laughs) We're going to get kind of, like, conspiracy theory for a while. Okay. (laughs) Um, So even though she was acquitted, um, she still, to this day, is the prime suspect for the murders. And there were a few other suspects. One was John Morse. Um, however, he provided um, a quote, perfect or abs, sorry, absurdly perfect and over detailed alibi for the death of Abby Borden. So Maggie Sullivan was also a potential suspect, um, which we will get into like them a little bit more just with those theories. So after the trial, Lizzie and her sister moved into a large modern house still in the Hill neighborhood, and Lizzie began going by Lizbeth. Um, She was pretty much completely rejected from society for the rest of her life, and her and her sister lived a pretty lavish lifestyle um, in their little new fancy home. Um, They had multiple live-in maids, a housekeeper, and a coachman, And they could afford this house because since Abby died first, her estate went to Andrew. Then when Andrew was murdered, his estate with Abby's estate would be passed to his closest relatives, his daughters. So to kind of settle Abby's family, they did pay a large amount of money out to them. Okay. So kind of like paid them off. So... Um, Lizzie and her sister did have a falling out in 1905 and Emma moved out and the two never spoke again. So I don't know exactly what the falling out was. It was at like a party that they were hosting, but I don't really know what their argument was about. Nobody really knows what their argument was about. Um, but Lizzie died on June 1st of 1927 of pneumonia. Um, she'd been kind of sick for the last year because she'd had her gallbladder removed the year prior. And nine days later, Emma died from uh, chronic nephritis, which is inflammation of the tissue around the kidneys, which like makes them fail at um, removing toxins from the body. Okay. Um, So when Lizzie died, she was worth over 250,000, which would be equal to about 5.233 million a lot of money Mm -hmm. so she owned a home several office buildings two cars a large amount of jewelry and shares in different utility companies and she left um, thirty thousand dollars to the fall river animal rescue league um, 500 to a trust for perpetual care of her father's grave six thousand to a friend and the same amount to a cousin and numerous other family members received between one thousand and five thousand dollars from her Oh, she had a lot of fucking money. Yeah, she was able to split it between that many, like, organizations and people. There was a lot of money there. Yeah. Now let's chat about the theories. Because there are many. So theory number one is that Lizzie killed her stepmother and father because she found out that their estate wasn't going to be left to her. So this theory is that she found out that um, they were going to essentially like rewrite the will so that all of the money would go to somebody else and she wouldn't get a dime. So she wanted to kill them before she 
was out of the will. Yeah, she took it into her own hands. Yep. Um, theory number two is, again, pretty greed-focused. It's that she wanted to um, get her inheritance right now, like ASAP. So she killed them specifically in that order to ensure that she would be granted a large portion of the estate. Because if Andrew would have died first, the estate would have gone to Abby, and then it would have gone to Abby's closest relatives. Which wouldn't have been Which would her. not have been Lizzie and Emma. No. Um, so theory three is quite a bit darker. Um, theory three is that Andrew Borden was sexually abusing Lizzie and Abby knew. So finally Lizzie had had enough and she killed them both. That one, yeah, that one is pretty dark for yeah. sure. And as far as I know, there's no like proof. I don't really know how this one formed. I think it kind of formed based on like how Andrew was as a person. It doesn't really sound like he was exactly the nicest dude. Yeah, I mean, if this theory was going to form and there was going to be, you know, some weight behind it, there had to have been something to initiate. I mean, yes and no. People get fucking crazy. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of crazy, theory four. Oh, boy is that Lizzie and the maid Maggie were in a relationship and Abby walked in on the two of them, prompting Lizzie to kill her and her father to keep this a secret. So I, neither of them were ever out as lesbians. However, Lizzie never married. And I don't know if that's because nobody wanted to marry somebody who stood trial for murder or she apparently was not very like attractive. She was pretty plain looking that sounds so bad but like that's so that's like what all the all the articles are essentially like well she wasn't that cute <laughs> so i i don't know but i don't think that maggie got married ever either so like maybe it's interesting yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie i love it but same <laughs> i don't really know how much i believe it yeah um okay theory five <laughs> um which we will get into a lot more when we talk about the hauntings. Okay. But theory five is that she was possessed by something darker that resides inside the house that caused Lizzie to murder her parents, then appear so calm and collected. Um, I think this one's kind of interesting because Lizzie was so religious. And there's theories that people who hold stronger faith tend to be more susceptible to like spiritual attacks they're like more tuned in so things like that can happen more and there's another little tidbit of information that kind of propels this theory forward and that's the fact that they were not um andrew and abby were not only the first people murdered they weren't the first people murdered on the property they also weren't the first Borden's murdered on the property. Really? Because earlier, um, uh, Andrew's uncle's wife drowned her children in the well on the property. Um, she only killed one of them, and then she slit her throat with a straight razor right after. Okay, that that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Especially since they weren't the first Borden's to die. Yes. But I will say... To the tune of the whole, like, she was so calm and collected. Bitch could have been in fucking shock. Yeah. 
And shock is very different for a lot of people. And, like, a lot of people shut down. Mm-hmm. And they're very calm. Yeah. Like. Well, and that could have just been. She saw her dad's eyeball cut in half. Right. On the couch. Yeah, and that could have been <laughs> part of the reason she was so erratic, too. Like, she's trying to make sense of it. She's as... on morphine. She could yeah. be in shock. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, theory six is that she did not do it alone. That she had an accomplice who most people think was either her uncle John or Maggie. Or both. That's kind of what I was thinking. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of thinking an accomplice, potentially both. Yeah. I think that it's suspicious that Maggie walked up and down those stairs and never saw a body. And then went halfway up and saw a body. Yeah. I guess if her head was turned both times in the opposite direction of the bedroom, maybe. But, like, you didn't even have to go all the way up the stairs to see her body. Exactly. You'd think you would have seen something out of the corner of your eye. Um, And with John, his alibi was so fucking picture perfect um, for Abby's murder. And then it doesn't sound like he had one for Andrew's. Right, which is suspicious. Yes, and Lizzie had one for Andrew's, did not have one for Abby's. Right, so they both had alibis for the opposite murder. Yep. Which is highly suspicious. Highly suspicious. Um, So theory seven is that it was in fact John and that he perfectly fabricated his alibi and he murdered them out of rage because he was not going to be in their will. Um, because clearly, like, obviously he was Sarah's brother. So at this point, now that John is remarried, or not John, sorry, Andrew's remarried, he wouldn't have any claims to anything. Yeah, to anything. Um, so then theory eight is that Maggie, it was Maggie, and she was really pissed at them because they forced her to clean windows, even though it was a super hot day. I don't really think so. Yeah, that one kind of makes the least sense. I don't think somebody making you clean windows, even if it is a blistering hot day, would cause you to hit your employer with a hatchet 18 times. Yeah. And then 11 more. Yeah, that one just doesn't really seem... No. Super plausible. No. But it is interesting because when Maggie was um, older... She was about, she thought she was about to pass away. She actually called for somebody. She told them that she had a secret that she needed to tell them. They showed up. Magically, she was feeling better. So she wouldn't tell them. And then she died without telling anybody what the secret was. That really makes me wonder what it was. Right? (laughs) Right? Like, unless her life was, like, chaotic after this. I have a feeling it probably had something to do with this case. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it probably told us everything that we're trying to figure out to this day. Probably. Yeah. Um, And then theory nine. This one is very interesting to me. Because theory nine is that Andrew Borden's bastard son, William, killed them. So he did have a son. His name was William. He was considered a bastard because he was out of wedlock. And he did send a letter... Um, I believe to police that essentially confessed to the crimes. However, police did not follow up on this because they just decided that he wasn't mentally well and that he was just trying to help Lizzie. 
but he did commit suicide by hanging eight years after the trial. So either he wasn't mentally well or guilty conscience. Yeah, that's, I did, yeah, I didn't know that. Because they didn't investigate him at all. Mm-mm. They didn't investigate anybody aside from Lizzie. Yeah, they it just kind of hammered home on Lizzie. They just kind of, like, realistically, it, it seems like the unfortunate situation where they pick, they pick somebody to pin it on and then they just build the evidence around that person rather than looking at the evidence to figure out who it actually was. Right, yeah. Um, so before we dive into the hauntings, because there are numerous hauntings, I want to know what you think, and then I'll tell you exactly what I think. Okay. Do you think she did it? Lizzie? Yes. I definitely think she had something to do with it. Okay. I absolutely think that she had something to do with it, whether it was actually murdering either one of them could be a different question, but I absolutely think that she had some sort of involvement with both murders. Okay. So if she was involved, who else do you think was involved? Realistically, I think both John and Maggie were both involved to some extent. Because I think that Lizzie potentially could have murdered Abby Mm -hmm. because she didn't have an alibi. Okay. And then I think that John could have murdered Andrew because he had an alibi for Abby's murder, but not Andrew's. And I think that Maggie just, the stairs is what is catching me up. Mm-hmm. The fact that she was able to go up and down the stairs that many times and not notice that there was a body. And then all of a sudden, magically, she goes halfway up the stairs and then sees the body. So I, I think all three of them were involved in some fashion. Okay. What do you think? Tell me your thoughts. I think that, um, and I should have noted this and I forgot about it. Um, rumor states that Abby and Lizzie and Emma did not get along. Lizzie and Emma, Emma did not like Abby. Okay. And Abby did not like them. They did not mesh. I think Lizzie murdered Abby. Mm-hmm. And then I think that John probably murdered Andrew. And I think that Maggie either walked in on it, heard it, something. I think she was paid off. I think that Lizzie paid her off to shut her fucking mouth. To keep her quiet. I mean, money talks sometimes. Money talks, especially to, because she was an immigrant. Yeah. I, I think that it was probably... I think it was probably Lizzie and John, and I bet you, I kind of feel like Lizzie probably paid off John too and was like, okay, I'll kill Abby. You take Andrew. I will give you a portion of what I get for this because he to, wasn't to do it because yeah. he wasn't going to get anything anyway. Yeah, he wasn't going to get anything anyway, and this way he kind of sealed. He got something, and Maggie got something, and Lizzie got something. Yeah. I think because the police didn't try to even consider the fact that it could have been more than one murderer. I also think that maybe, maybe Lizzie went to the barn to change out of bloody clothes before she went inside to tell Maggie to call the police. Yeah. 
I could be very fucking wrong. I just, I think that it was probably, I think Lizzie probably orchestrated it. And then I think that she roped John into it by like with money. And then I think Maggie was kind of wrong place, wrong time. And it was either Maggie was going to go or Maggie was going to keep her mouth shut to get some money. Yeah. And it, at that juncture, the best thing to do is just take the money and keep your mouth shut. Yep. Because like, this is an old Victorian home. They are echoey as fuck. So even if she's like outside cleaning windows, she could have heard or saw Abby. But being on the third floor while John or while Andrew is being murdered, she would have heard it. Mm -hmm. He would have heard it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just, I think that it's insane. And I think that we would have had way more answers if police would have done a thorough investigation the moment that they stepped foot in that home. Yeah, I think that two-day gap really leaves a lot of space for a lot of things to be placed somewhere else or for a lot of things to go missing or... To be burned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just... Like, she could have stored that dress in the barn and then burned it after she found out that she was, you know, potentially gonna get arrested for it. Like, when she found out she was the prime suspect... Yeah. She could have been like, I need to get rid of this because then that's the last remaining thing that could link me. Right. And I just think that the two days is just so long that's for so people. Long. Yeah. For people to be able to kind of tamper with whatever could have linked them or tied them to murders. Like, it, it's just, it's a long time. Yeah. And it's not like it wasn't. It wasn't two days where the house was cordoned off and nobody could go inside of it and the police were like watching it. They were in the fucking house and then they introduced another person into the house when Alice came in. Yeah. I don't know. It's so fucking, it's such a shit show. <laughs> yeah, it it's just sounds like- It's such a shit show. Yeah, it's just chaotic. So now for the hauntings. Um. So the house actually made number two- on a list of the 10 best haunted hotels list. Number two. Number two. Oh boy. <laughs> so it has been professionally investigated, um, specifically for TV by Ghost Adventures, um, TAPS, which has Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation, and a few others. Um, you can book ghost hunts in there as well as like tours. I don't know if you can do overnight stays anymore. It used to be like a privately owned bed and breakfast. But now it's owned by, like, I think it's, like, U.S. Ghost Adventures. Um, let me look it up really fast. Yeah, U.S. Ghost Adventures owns the house. Okay. Um, so I don't think that you can do, like, full overnight stays, but I think that you can go stay for, like, from, like, a certain, like, a two-hour block at night to investigate. Um, but I don't think you can fully stay there anymore. Um, so one interesting fact um, is that guests are told that if they leave money on the dresser at night before they fall asleep, that the spirits would leave them alone. That's interesting, especially if you're thinking and taking into account the fact that money could have potentially played a massive role in these murders. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was looking at like the Yelp reviews. <laughs> And one guy was like, we were told that, like, if we wanted them to leave us alone, we could put money on the dresser and then, like, you know, take it the next morning or whatever. And he was like, and that they would leave us alone. And I think that was true because, like, nothing happened once we went to bed. And I was like, that's interesting. That is interesting. So let's dive in. 
Um, so for what people have heard in the home, they have heard footsteps, um, creaking of floorboards, like somebody is walking on them. They've heard children laughing. They've heard crying. They've heard a cat meowing and disembodied, disembodied voices. I can't talk. Um, they have also heard what sounds like kids playing with marbles, which was like a popular game at that time. Um, People have also heard noises coming from inside of the wardrobes and the sound of a woman laughing, which they think is Lizzie because the maid had reported at one point that she heard Lizzie laughing at the top of the stairs. Um, so there's also a wind-up cat toy that's on a chest inside of Maggie's room and it will occasionally play on its own. Wow, okay. That's... So, yeah. And the cat thing is kind of interesting because there was like one thing that I found... And I just don't think that it was really brought up that much because I don't think people really cared or it could be false. I have no fucking clue. But Maggie allegedly had a cat that was butchered with a hatchet a few days before the murders. A few days before the murders? In the basement. Did she have, like, does anybody know if she had anything to do with it or, like, it's just kind of a random... It was just, like, a random fact. Okay. That I found. Was that a few days before the murders, Maggie's cat was killed in the basement with a hatchet. Okay. I mean, depending on who did that, might have been a trial run on the cat. I hate to say it, but it could have been like a, I'm going to try this out on the cat first before Yeah. I do this to Abby and Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, could have been. So... As for what people have seen, the list is long. So people have seen a face appear on the basement wall. Um, They will see doors opening and closing on their own. And they, the lights will turn on and off, but they're not just like flickering, like loose bulbs or something like that. You can physically see the light switches flip. That would be, I'm not going to lie. Because like, Lights flickering is common, but like physically seeing the light switch flip and then the lights go off or it flips and the lights come on. That takes some, that's some energy right that there to flip a force. fucking light switch. Yeah. Um, so they've seen shadow figures walking down the staircase and into the main hallway or walking into other rooms. In the basement, people have seen full bodied apparitions that they claim look like Lizzie. And they'll see her either just standing there or searching around the basement. Um, People have seen a housekeeper, um, like somebody dressed in like old maid's clothes, like doing chores. Um, One of the housekeepers, when it was a bed and breakfast, claimed that right after she made the bed inside of the room Abby died in, an indentation appeared like somebody had laid on it. And Ghost Hunters kind of talks about this in their episode because they saw it happen on camera. And they said, you know, like with old beds, sometimes sheets will settle, like they'll settle into divots in the mattress. But they didn't think that that was what was happening because it was like instant and it was inconsistent. Yeah. And if it was settling, you'd think it would settle and then it would stay there. And it was not. It was coming back up sometimes. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. So they've also seen an apparition of a lady with gray hair, like milling about the house. Um, there's apparitions of children as well as the apparition of a woman in a nightgown that's seen inside of Andrew and Abby's room. So most people believe that that's Abby. 
um, one of the rocking chairs will occasionally start rocking back and forth and then suddenly stop on its own. And um, a group of guests that was inside of the house claimed that a chair slid a few feet across the floor towards them. And during the Ghost Adventures episode, one of the nightstand drawers in one of the rooms pulls out on its own. And then Zach, like, checks the drawer to see if there's, like, you know, like, a trigger. Like, see if it's, like, rigged to do that to, like, freak people out. And there's nothing. It's just a completely normal drawer. It shouldn't have done that unless somebody opened it. Okay. Um, with the basement specifically, um, some witnesses said that a woman was scratched And when they said, pick on someone your own size, a man was pushed into a door and you could physically see handprints on his arms from something pushing him. Jeez. This house just has everything going on, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of has like every imaginable haunting. Seriously. I think, I don't think it has singing. (laughs) I'm just trying to come up with something it doesn't have. (laughs) Okay, but... In a house like this, I don't think there's going to be much singing going on. I'm just going to throw that one out there. Yeah. Or it could have been like a Jeepers Creeper situation where Lizzie was just uh, whistling away while chopping. Okay. I, I don't want to think I about that. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just saying that there's no singing. That's one thing that's not happening here. So as for what people feel inside of the home. So now we've heard what they've seen heard this is what they feel um they feel like they're being watched particularly in the basement um and the rooms where the murders were committed so there's kind of just three spots in this house that have activity um they've also people have reported something like brushing up against them and then they'll turn around and there's nobody there one of the old owners her name's leanne wilbur claimed that she felt a cold finger run down her back when she turned around, um, she was alone. So remember the cat meowing. People also feel a cat like rub up against their leg. Okay. Um, and um, people will feel cold spots, specifically in Maggie's room, which is interesting. Um, people have had their ears or limbs like tugged on. And a psychic medium named Liz Nowicki was holding a seance when everything went completely fuzzy. She got super disoriented. She didn't know where she was anymore. Um, And then another witness placed a camera in one of the rooms and it like moved to the side on its own. So they fixed it and then it moved again to face them. So like they were trying to film the room. Something was trying to film them. Yeah. Something was like, no, this is not what we're doing. Yeah. Which was interesting. Um, And then one of the old, like, tour guides, her name was Eleanor Theobald. She was coming up the basement stairs, and she could hear footsteps behind her like somebody was following her up. Jeez, I just, there's so much going on at this house. I know. Um, So people will also smell floral perfume that they believe is Abby's. Okay. It'll be, like, really faint, really fast. They'll just, like, get a whiff of perfume, and then it's gone. Which is pretty typical. Yeah. Um, So EMF devices that people have used in the building will go fucking bananas in the basement and in the rooms where the murders were um, committed, but they will not go off at all in any of the other rooms. In any of the other rooms? Any of the other rooms. Wow. Okay. So now let's go to EVPs. 
So Andrew reportedly responds, responds fairly regularly. Um, there was an EVP once of a woman's voice that screamed, and then there was, ma'am, come quick. Which could have been, Maggie, come quick. Right. Which would have just been like a replay. A replay of the whole event. Mm-hmm. Um, so one person asked, did Lizzie kill you for your money? And a male voice replied, you got that right. So that puts some more stock behind the, she killed them for money in the inheritance. Mm -hmm. So while ghost adventures were investigating, they of course held a seance and they got a lot of EVPs during the seance and during some other stuff. One said, I'll take you to heaven. Another said, keep on killing, keep them coming. One said, they're all together. There was a thank you, Zach. A Borden. One that said, go ahead and cry. And then there was one that said, tell them about the girl. But this voice was like very like unearthly like it doesn't sound good and it essentially growls out the word girl so it's almost like it's not really even saying like girl like we would but it's just kind of like it's like girl yeah it's very intense okay um which we're going to talk about that more in a second because there's some there's some interesting information surrounding that specific evp so they used a spirit box as well, and they got Abby, Abby, Lizzie, and Dirty Whore. Wait, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to circle back specifically to tell them about the girl. So this voice came through when one of the women that was in the seance was taunting Andrew, telling him that she was going to share his secret. And they did not air exactly what she says, but they, because it was sensitive information, but they do say that she was essentially alluding to the fact that Andrew was sexually abusing Lizzie. And then that came through? And that came through. So she's, like, taunting the fuck out of Andrew. Mm -hmm. And then this, like, deep male voice comes through saying, tell him about the girl. I just want to know what that, like, what it means. Like, tell him about what girl? Well, I have a theory. Let me However, no. I want to know your theories on these hauntings first. Do you think, who, okay, let's start here. Who do you think is there? What spirits? Realistically, I think Lizzie has to be there. There's okay. no way that Lizzie isn't there. I think um, potentially John, but you don't really get much alluding to the fact that he's there. So he's kind of a maybe for me. Like he might be there. He might not be. I think Maggie's there. Mm -hmm. I definitely think Abby's there. And I think, I think Andrew's there. Okay, for sure. I mean, those are like my my for sure. There's no way that they can't be there. Okay. And then do you think that 
it is residual, that it is intelligent, or do you think it's a mix of both? I think it's a mix of both. Just because of the, like, the ma'am come quick type of deal, the maid doing chores, those are all kind of residual. So those would be things that would be happening, you know, no matter what kind of, it's just kind of a replay of events. Okay. But with the EVPs that they're getting and some of the things that are happening that people are feeling, that people are seeing, that seems more intelligent. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's a I think it's a think mix, it's a mix. Of both. Yeah. Okay. okay. What do you think? Okay. I think that Lizzie is there. I think that Andrew is there. I think that the two of them are probably intelligent. However, I think that Maggie and Abby are residual. I also think that the cat is probably residual. Yeah. If it's just meowing occasionally, brushing up against people and playing with toys. And it's it seems to be, you know, kind of more in, like, Maggie's room. That's, like, the only thing that's really there, and that's where it would have spent most of its time. Typical cat things. Yes. However, I, and this is just my opinion without ever having stepped foot in this home, as I would love to go there someday. But my opinion without ever stepping foot in this home is that I think that there is something there that is darker and is not human. Uh, Yeah, I would agree with you on that because just of everything that's happened in this house, not only the two murders, but then, you know, the woman killing her kid before that in the well, like, there's a lot of dark stuff here. Yep. And specifically, there's like a few reasons as to why I think this. I'm not saying that Lizzie was possessed and that's why she committed murder. I'm not saying that the aunt was possessed and that's why she killed her kids. I'm saying that there might be something there that either was came after the fact or was fed by that or something because only one child died, but there's been two, there's two children seen together. There's multiple children's laughter. There's children playing with marbles. There's also an elderly woman with gray hair. And if you think about like specifically darker entities, they will present as something more innocent to trick people. And what is more innocent than a child or an old woman? I didn't even think about it, to be honest. And then you also add that to, as far as we know, nothing fucking happened in that basement, but people are terrified of that basement. People have gotten scratched in the basement. People have been followed up the stairs in the basement. A face has appeared in the wall of the basement. And then you have keep on killing, keep them coming. I'll take you to heaven and tell them about the girl. I, I wonder. Well, none of those things really sound like anything that the Bordens would have said. So it wouldn't really make sense that like, it was Andrew who's like pissed off because he wouldn't be telling them. He wouldn't be saying, tell them about the girl. He'd be saying, shut the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> like it just doesn't he wouldn't want seem... a secret to come out if that was a secret. Right. I mean, it just there's it's just things that they probably wouldn't have said. So who else is saying them? Yep. And then like, yeah, maybe like John's there. And that's why he said, tell him about the girl, because maybe Abby told him or not Abby, maybe Um, Lizzie told him what was happening and that's how she roped him into killing them. Like, you know, who knows? But it just, especially the keep on killing, keep them coming. 
it just seems a little yeah I don't know it just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem human to me it doesn't yeah. seem like a human haunting I would agree with you yeah I, yeah I would I would love to go spend like a couple hours in that basement you can do that by yourself. I will. <laughs> I'll be sitting in the car. Oh, that's fair. Oh, God. So, yeah, you guys are going to have to let us know what you think. This is one that, like, I think anybody could give an opinion. And, I mean, I'm not even fully convinced that what I think is going on is actually fucking going on. It's just, it's a wild one. It's a roller coaster. It's just, there's just a lot happening. Um, so you guys can, um, send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram is at lady in black podcast. You can send us an email to lady in black pod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, lady in black Um, I will as always have some photos posted of the Lizzie Borden house on the Instagram, but yeah, you guys are going to have to let us know what you think. This has been lady in black.